Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome back to the NFL Show, Episode 4. I'm your host, Dan Frost, and as always, I'm joined by the best panel in the business. Uh, tonight, I've got Alex and Stacey with me. Uh, no Pierre this week, but she'll be back uh, next week to talk all things NFL. All right, guys, well, let's start. Let's get straight into it. Uh, Alex, we're, we're, we're going to come out with a few little uh, hot takes straight off the top. Uh, Alex, have you, got a, have you got something for us? Oh, boy, do I ever. First off, it's great to have football back. Even though it is preseason and week one, it's great to be able to just sit on sit behind the TV and watch football all day, which is what I did on Sunday. But I have to say it was worth getting up at 3 a.m. to watch the Bears beat the Dolphins and see Justin Fields take the field at Soldier Field and be the Bears quarterback for as long as he was and see him succeed like he did. Rocky start, but he went, got, went and got himself his own touchdown and then threw for another touchdown. So I got to say, the future's looking a little bright at the quarterback spot for the Bears. Uh, Stacey, have you got something for us there? Uh, what impressed you from our first week of preseason? Oh, look, like I said before, my partner's a mad Chargers fan. So we watched the Chargers and the Rams game. And, uh, you, know, it was, it, you know, it was the perfect Sunday. You know, the TV's on out the back. I'm doing some DIY down the back. Um, you know, I look up at the TV and all of a sudden I see this guy hurdle a cornerback and I've gone wait a minute dude is that the quarterback so the quarterback from the LA Rams the third string Bryce Parker just hurdles this guy it's something I, I've very rarely seen it impressed the hell out of me yeah it's uh it's some skill isn't it I mean we, we often get maybe two three a year uh but definitely make the highlight package so uh yeah he may be QB3 but uh definitely got his 15 minutes of fame there that's for sure uh, look, for me, uh, look, yeah, there, there, was, there was plenty, you know, I, I, I was the same. I, I, you know, very excited to have football back, watch way too much preseason football. Uh, but for me, the, the standout was Jordan Love uh, there in Green Bay. Um, he is the mystery man. So I don't, I, I haven't seen him play. No one's seen him play. No one knows uh, whether he's he had sort of any sort of talent. And uh, it was a little bit of concern last year as to how he'd sort of, uh, how it sort of started to fit into the Packers organization, but look, he came out and uh, and he played quite well. Um, so he showed that you know he does he does have something there. So I think uh, you know we can all see a bit of a divorce happening there with the Packers with Aaron Rodgers. Probably uh, this is probably going to be his last season. So uh, yeah, is Jordan Love going to be the guy? Who knows? But um, it was a good start from him on the weekend. All right, guys. Well, let's jump into our first segment, the huddle. Uh, and for our new listeners, the huddle is where we take a deep dive into a particular team. And this week, we're going to focus on a team that has, I guess, gone through a couple of decades of heartache. You know, they've been in a quite a quite a difficult uh, division against a, a particular powerhouse. But you know, they, they've they've slowly rebuilt the team over the last couple of seasons. And you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do uh, this season. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. How about those trees? A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Those will be the best memories. Yeah, and this week we're going to be talking about the Miami Dolphins. 
Talk to us a little bit about this quarterback to a tongue of a lower because I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, I'm, obviously, I'm a supporter of the Alabama uh, college football team, so uh, yeah, followed followed him quite closely. But um, tell us what your thoughts are on Tua because um, quite interestingly, you know, even though he had his injury issues and he's only had the one season, there's a fair bit of pressure on him coming into the year. Yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders to perform this year. And I think watching him against the Bears, you know, a lot of people are going to say, well, he played against the Bears, you know, and it was their second string, whatever. Um, I think where his errors kind of happened in the game in week one, I think they are correctable. Like he can fix those those mechanic mechanical errors that he had. Um, for me, I, I think that that – Injury to him that he got in Alabama, I think, was such a big injury for him. And I don't think that he... It was the Bo Jackson injury, right? Like, yeah. like similar? Yeah. yeah, yeah, similar. Right? So he was kind of that next big standout quarterback, and he was supposed to be the next kind of big guy to lead Alabama. Um, and while he did for the time that he was there to get that injury and then go into the draft and then kind of not struggle last year. Fitzpatrick was the magic, you know, last year for, for Miami. Um, so I think he has to just kind of build his confidence. But when you look at their quarterback situation, for me, what I really liked as far as their QBs go, I think two is great on, on rolling out. I think when you have an O-line that isn't going to protect your, the pocket like he needs to, he's going to have to roll out a lot more than I think he's planning on. Um, so he's got to be prepared there. Um, I think he's got to work, work on that a little bit more. But as far as their backup quarterbacks go, I think it was Jacoby. Brissett, yeah. Yeah. And like, he is a big guy. Yeah. Right. And that pocket collapsed on him a couple of times. And even with Bears players on him, he still didn't go down. So I think there's some confidence there for Miami as far as their quarterback quarterbacks go. But I think Tua showed some good signs. The mistakes he made, I think they're correctable. But that O-line is going to be a struggle for him, I think. If you look at the, you know, consider the fact that, you know, he threw that that mad uh, 50-yard bomb to Gusecki. Oh. Right, like that. Yeah. You can just see the ceiling of this kid, which I really love. I think what's going to happen, unfortunately, is the success of the Dolphins is going to be put entirely onto his shoulders, yeah. which I don't think is entirely fair for such a young quarterback. You know, I mean, the Dolphins are not the Dolphins of the Dan Marino age, you know, and they've gotten better. I mean, they turned their season around, you know, from 2019, they went, what did they go? They went 5-11. and 11. To last year going 10, ten and, and six. six, right? So you can see that there's something that's really happening there. And I think what that what it is is the fact that the new coaching staff that they've got in with Flores and Greer now hitting their third year stripes. Um, you know, Alex has mentioned before, you know, it's the third year of assist of installing a new system where you start to see the results. So assuming that, you know, Tua has a good good season, you know, Miami's gonna make the playoffs and and, and potentially pick out the bills. I guess the big question we have for Miami right now, as far as Tua goes, like as we saw, he can make those passes. It's just has Miami given him the personnel around him to succeed? Because as Stacey said, that pressure is going to be on his shoulders. But if he doesn't have the personnel around him, I think that's where the struggle is going to happen. Yeah, I think for me, uh, you know, there was a period there where there was a big campaign to tank for Tua, uh, and that was because he, he's something special. Uh, I, I think he is. I, I think he could be. Uh, and it's not just the you know he just looks different, and it's not just the fact that he throws with his left hand. You know he is a, he's a very talented uh, player. However, um, to your point, Alex, things have changed uh, with that injury. 
um, because you know he, he just wasn't himself. I, I think he's lost a lot of that explosive agility that he had uh, at that college level, and there's already such a significant jump to the NFL. Um, the question is, can he recapture that? Uh, there's no question he's got the talent with the arm, but yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see whether he's completely recovered from his hip injury. Um, what Flores has done is just sort of taken what he's learned from Belichick um, in terms of play calling and calling systems and, and calling you know, just learning as much as he can to be able to take advantage of different defences, but to also honour where the Miami Dolphins have come from um, and send them into that new level with such a new quarterback, a uh, new culture. I think that's really, a, you know, a, a, a good thing for, for the organisation. And Alex, just to round off on the roster before we have a look at their potential record, you know, one of the things with Miami is they've gone through a complete rebuild. So they've uh, they've they've traded away players, and they've done. You know, Brian Flores has completely flipped the roster. Part of that, though, is that they have stacked draft picks over the last couple of years, and they've gone out and used them. So I, I guess for Miami, their success is going to heavily rely on how successful these draft picks have been, uh, especially over the last two seasons. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's. These draft classes are going to be key. I think they're going to kind of look at, you know, did they draft the right people? Um, Did they draft the key players they needed to draft? You know, did they bolster the holes that they've had probably season in and season out? Um, For me, I would say no, they haven't. Um, But I think having a young squad like they do – there's that chance to kind of build that team, right? So the more experience this side gets, the better they'll be. So right now they're young. They're these, the last two rounds, I've had a lot of draft picks. Um, I think, you know, one thing we should mention is they did sign Shaquan Griffin from the Seahawks and linebacker. Um, So I think that was a good signing for them as far as a defense goes. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, and there's, you a, know, there's a couple of defensive rookies there as well. Like Jalen Phillips went in the first round as a linebacker. Uh, Javon Holland out of Oregon, uh, he went early in the second round, I think, is safety. But, um, you know, a lot of the times, you know, some of these draft picks, even if they are in the first or second round, they can still be 50-50. So it's just a lot of pressure to put on these players. So for Miami fans, it's it's really... It's really going to be about closely watching these guys that have been drafted over the next year or two because they really need them all to hit to to be able to take them from being a, a competitive team to one that's going to do some damage in the playoffs. I think, the, I think what they've done too is, is you know, with putting so much draft stock into their defense, they're hopefully trying to see that, that increased draft capital will create extra turnovers, which will create extra possessions for the offense, right? So if your offense isn't firing, you need your defense to, to get those turnovers to flip the switch. So, you know, if you look at the law of averages, right, if the defense is turning over a couple of times a game, then those extra uh, reps on O, you know, could potentially turn into something game-changing. So I think that it's not a bad strategy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just think just to round off that, I, th- I think it would be – would be nice to see their running back, uh, their, their running, uh, their running style improve. Uh, to Alex's point, it's one of the worst in the league. So when you've got a when you've got a, a young quarterback like Tua who has had an injury history, you don't want him to have to throw you to victory during the early parts of his career. You would love a couple of um, high quality running backs to be able to take some pressure off him. So it's going to be really interesting to see whether Miami can can uh, you know adjust their running uh, their running play this year. 
All right, guys, well, let, let's have a quick look at their record. Um, I want to hear from you in terms of your predictions. Alex, we'll start with you. Uh, where do you think this team's headed in terms of a record for this season? I think in their division um, and the way New England might go this year with Mac Jones, you know, I don't, I don't know if New England have the receivers that they need, particularly for Mac Jones and, and Cam Newton to be successful there. Um, so I think that that second and third spot is going to be open to kind of uh, to, you know, the Miami Dolphins or um or the Patriots, but, you know, I, I, I see him going eight and nine. Stacey. Yeah, look, uh, like I said before, I, I think that the, uh, you know, the, se- the season's going to go uh, based on how Tua performs. So if he performs well, then I, re- I actually think that they could, you know, contest with Buffalo for AFC East. I'm going to go 11 and 6. I, I see uh, Buffalo winning this division, but I see Miami clearly winning, uh, sorry, clearly coming in second place. Um, I think there's a little bit of difference between them and the Pats at the moment. I uh, really like what Brian uh, has been able to do from a coaching perspective. He's getting the best out of uh, out of his guys at the moment. But, um, you know, based on, you know, a lot of the things we've spoken about tonight, I think a lot's going to have to, I think a lot of their performances will, will come from health. So, you know, is Tua going to be healthy this year? And can the receiving core stay together? Um, and, you know, what does Jalen Waddle look like in his first year there for Miami? Now it's time for our next segment, The Match, where each week we put two players up against each other, 1v1, to see who comes out on top. And this week we're looking at two uh, veteran quarterbacks uh, and, uh, yeah, we're putting, them, we're putting them up against each other to see who is the better quarterback coming into this season. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Welcome to the match, and this week we're going to be looking at two uh, quarterbacks, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders quarterback in Derek Carr uh, taking on the Minnesota Vikings uh, quarterback in Kirk Cousins. Alex, we're going to start with you, and let, let's talk about uh, Derek Carr to start with. You know, he's had an interesting career so far. What's your thoughts on on his history, on his career, and what's your expectations for him uh, coming into the season? He first couple seasons, he was passing for over 3,000 yards. You know, the last couple, he's done for over 4,000. So, again, he's not, you know, he's not your kind of super flashy quarterback to watch. You know, he's not your Mahomes. He's not your Brady. Um, he, but he's he's a reliable quarterback. And, and I think that's someone like this is is key for kind of franchises. You know, when you're kind of looking at what you need um, to be able to have a quarterback like Derek Carr, who is con- as consistent as he is, um, who's as reliable as he is, I think for any program, you know, that, that that's kind of a key thing that you want in your quarterback. Stacey, I, I think with Carr, one of the things that's spoken about is it's playoff or bust for him. Um, so, you know, what, when we look at the roster, it appears that he's really going to have to try and drag this team along. I mean, don't get me wrong. They have a, they have a, uh, you know, probably the, a top three tight end in, in Darren Waller. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, to your point, they're really – focusing in on sort of slot receivers in Henry Ruggs, fast guy, electric, another Alabama alumni, um, and, and, and little Hunter Renfro. But uh, outside of that, it, it, it looks quite challenging. Um, Stacey, the other things that I wanted to cover for you is his future at the Raiders. So, again, the talk is at the moment that it's playoffs or bust for him. 
and his contract, it's only until uh, 2022 uh, at the moment, and it's only around that $20 million mark. So very, very affordable um, given some of the the, 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 the crazy uh, quarterback contracts that are out there at the moment. What's your thoughts on his future there in Vegas? I mean, given that they've got Mariota as the backup, and I love Mariota. I fell in love with Mariota from the Ducks. Um, but he hasn't performed well, so I don't think he's ever going to be the starter at at the Raiders. And if you consider the fact that John Gruden will stick with Derek Carr through thick and thin, I don't think he's going anywhere. You know, Gruden likes who he likes, and I love Gruden as a coach. Um, you know, and I refuse to believe that a guy who's that smart um, and is, is such a good coach and comes from such a high coaching like family tree would put his trust in Derek Carr if he didn't think he was worth it for the long haul. Alex, uh, the other call out on this one is, yeah, you've got the receiving call ranked like 27th out of 32, uh, but the offensive line, it doesn't get much better. Uh, They're ranked uh, 26 out of 32. Uh, one of the challenges there, if we look at the O-line in terms of protection for Derek Carr, um, you know, the, the, the Patriots have raided the Raiders, ironically. So their, their best wide receiver, Aguilar, has gone to New England. Uh, and, and the left tackle, Trent Brown, has also made the move. That puts a lot of pressure on a young uh, Colton Miller uh, there at left tackle. So, yeah, what's your thoughts on, uh, on the offensive line for the Raiders? And again, you know, a, a lot of challenges here and a lot of hurdles for Carr, who, you know, basically... The world is saying, Tim, you need to take this team to the playoffs to keep your job, yet your receiving core is not where it needs to be. The offensive line isn't in a great spot. Uh, Difficult place for Carr. Yeah, difficult. And as we've mentioned before, like I think from any – when you're a quarterback who's kind of – when you have pressure on your shoulders as a quarterback, whether it's playoffs or bust, whether it's your new quarterback stepping up into that role – I think if you don't have that O-line to protect you, if you don't have that O-line to do their job, it is a struggle, right? Um, so, and I think having a young gun in that left tackle is going to be interesting. I, I, I think he's going to struggle a little bit coming up against certain defenses. I just don't. It's the blind side, man. Like yeah. it's the, There's a reason why they pay left tackles as much as they pay wide receivers. You know, so there's so much pressure on this kid. Yeah, and 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 that's when, yeah, I think it's going to be a struggle for Carr to have somebody that young kind of protecting him. I think he's gonna he's gonna be doing a lot of rolling out of the pocket for the first couple of weeks anyway, until this kid can you know get that experience under his belt. You know, if there's someone that he can develop, I think long term he'll be great in that role. But I mean, he's that is not that's not a position you want, huh? He started rolling out more last year anyway. You know, he had a career high for, you know, for carries. Um, he scored a couple, ran them in. Um, you know, he he had more rushing touchdowns than he's had in his first two seasons in the NFL. So I think that he's, like, adapted to that, which yeah. is going to be key for Carr. I mean, if he can't adapt to what he's got around him. Plus, I mean, it, it also makes sense that, you know, any quarterback will tell you if you have a good run game, then it makes you a better quarterback. So it really, the responsibility comes down to, you know, the running back core as well, like with Josh Jacobs. You know, he has to stay healthy. He's one of the best, like, one-step running backs in the league. So explosive. I love watching him. Um, but if he if they can keep it up, like, I, I don't foresee Derek Carr going anywhere and I potentially see them having a really good next year or two. Yeah, you just want him to stay healthy with a left tackle that's young and an all line that's weak. You just hope that nothing happens to him. Yeah. 
No, it's going to be going to be interesting one to watch. Let's jump over now to the, to the uh, to his competitor tonight, which is Kirk Cousins. Now, you talk about Derek Carr, who's under pressure to keep his position. Kirk Cousins, it's the complete opposite, and not for the reasons that you may think. Now, Kirk Cousins, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about his production, but one of the things that I wanted to raise off the top, uh, Alex, is the contract situation. Uh, th- this is this has got a lot of publicity in recent times. It, it's just probably is one of it's probably one of the worst contracts that you will see. It does expire in and around 2022, uh, but it, it would be a $45 million cap hit for the Vikings. So in other words, Kirk Cousins, he is going to be the quarterback. What's your thoughts on Cousins uh, and this contract situation? Do you see him as being the long-term solution there for the Vikings? And yeah, what's your general thoughts on him as a QB? They sit in the same division as the Bears, so... I- <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of them. Um, I, I think, you know, they've, they've kind of bolstered um, their, their offense in the last couple of years. And they've been a surprise, I think, to people in the last couple of years. And I think that has been because of cousins, you know, in the last kind of three years since he's come in, Minnesota's just kind of stepped up their game and gone, Hey, we're here to compete. We're here to play. Um, and I think he's a huge part in that. Um, you know, I think, he had he was great at Washington, but I just think he kind of found his his groove with the Vikings. You know, he kind of found his niche, he found his kind of rhythm a little bit, and he's just he's been decent for them in the last three years. Like is he my favorite quarterback? No. Um, but you know, again, he's another one of those kind of consistent quarterbacks. Stacey Kirk's got an interesting background. Obviously he fought his way up through the Washington system. He was a later later round draft pick and um, you know got himself uh, got himself to a position where he was a free agent uh, and, and and Minnesota's come in uh, and, and and paid him a significant amount. You were in Minnesota's position a couple of years back. Would you have gone out for him? Do you think he's that good of a, a quarterback to sort of oh, lead a franchise? God no. Oh no no, you know, like Alex said, there's nothing. There's nothing too special about Kirk Cousins. You know, they're, they're, he's pretty average. Like literally, his stats are pretty average. Um, you know, he was drafted by the Redskins fourth round in 2012, so he's been around a while, and he's never sort of been that quarterback that you just go, "Oh my God, I want to watch the Vikings or Washington." No, you're exactly right. Kirk Cousins does appear to be he's the vanilla ice cream of of, of quarterbacks. He, yes, he is, that's he the perfect that's the perfect way to put him. That is sure. the best way. He's 100 percent vanilla ice cream of quarterbacks. And so uh, you know, I, I guess he's quite he's quite different to Derek Carr. So Derek Carr obviously finds himself in a situation where he has uh, you know it, it, it's struggle street for him in terms of his receivers. It's the complete opposite for Kirk Cousins. Now last year he had quite a, a successful production. Yeah, uh, through for over uh, 4,200 yards, 35 TDs. But you start to wonder, knowing what we know about his skills as a quarterback, you've, you've, I guess you've got to give a little bit of credit to this receiving call. I mean, it's part and parcel. I mean, the the Vikings run like a pro-style offense, which is what he played you know, at Michigan, right? So that that essentially means that it's multifaceted and there's, you know, multiple parts that continue to play. Um, so motions and shifts, you know, there's, there's a lot of that, um, which makes him quite smart, really. So when you've got, um, you know, such a high productive wide receiving core, especially in Thielen, he just comes out of nowhere and I really enjoy watching him play. He's definitely one of, one of my top favourites. Um, 
personally, I was, you know, I was super upset when they left, let go of Stefan Diggs. I think that him and Kirk Cousins had this amazing chemistry and, and it was such a surprise to see him go. But I think his biggest weakness is really his decision making. You know, he just, he makes bad decisions, which happens when you're stuck in a pro style offense with multiple components to it, right? So you, there's always a chance of making the wrong decision. And plus, I don't really like, I mean, he's just got a little bit more of a weakness in his pocket presence. He doesn't hold himself well in the pocket when you're comparing it to Derek Carr, for example. Derek Carr will stand in the pocket for as long as he can, whereas Kirk Cousins is a little bit more likely to go, nope, I'm bailing out of this. So in terms of their, their play style, um, you know, it's, it's this, the decision-making is, is the biggest thing that if Kirk Cousins is going to be a great quarterback, that's what needs to change. Alex, on a scale of last year's New York Jets to this year's Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, you know, you think about the overall quality of the roster and the Vikings find themselves in an interesting situation. Uh, Mike Zimmer, the head coach, he's come out and said that last year's defense was the worst that he's ever had. Now that... That is an incredible statement for a guy who is a career coach. He's been involved in the game a long time. So, you know, last year's defense certainly had Kirk on, on the on the field quite a lot. Um, but then, again, looking at his protection, looking at that of, of offensive line, it, it appears to be ranked 27th out of 32. Um, you know, it looks to be particularly challenging. So, you know, there, there are a couple of challenges there with the team overall there in Minnesota. Yeah, I think their defense is something that has struggled a little bit in the past year. I think you saw it against the Broncos in their first preseason game. They just struggled. They struggled to keep the pocket, you know, from collapsing the pocket, excuse me. On the way that they performed against the Broncos in in week one, you know, I think their defense is going to struggle again this season, but I I don't know where their saving grace is. And the best part about their offense probably was was Keelan Mond. You know, I think he did well as far as far as a young quarterback coming in. So if I was Kirk Cousins, I'd be a little concerned about that. That, you know, you've got a quarterback where the the pocket's kind of collapsing around him. He's still able to hold his ground and throw, which Cousins tends to kind of like to, as Stacy said, bail. Um, but yeah, I, I think their defense is gonna let him down again this year. And that showed in week one. All right, guys. Well, no sitting on the fence when it comes to the match. We've got to pick uh who is the better quarterback. At this point, Stacey, we'll start with you. Uh, what's your thoughts on this matchup, Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins? Well, it's the vanilla ice cream bowl for me. You get it? It's a bowl, an actual bowl of ice cream. Anyway, um, oh, yeah, look, I don't know who I have to take on this one. I think, I think I'm going to take Carr just because I really want to see him have a, have a breakout season this year and um, potentially stay with the Raiders for you know a good couple of years and, and take them on the trajectory that all Raiders fans want them to see in, which is on the upwards. Alex? Look, I think Derek Carr has got a little bit more, you know, flavor to him than Cousins, if we're still talking about vanilla ice cream. So, (laughs) um, yeah, for me, I got to go Derek Carr. I think just his consistency to hold his own in the pocket, his consistency to throw, um, I think it's just better than Cousins. And I He's, he's inconsistent and he's not he's not the kind of quarterback you want back there. Yeah, look, for me, I have to agree with you guys. Um, you know, I, I think the, 
the days of the pocket passer, it, it, it's it's slowly it's slowly changing. You know, the game's changing. You need to have um, you need to have some ability to to be mobile and, and move. And whilst things are starting to slow down a little bit for Derek Carr, he still has the ability to use his legs to get himself out of trouble. Uh, out of trouble does struggle under pressure, but can certainly make some plays. So for me, um, yeah, I'm going to go with Derek Carr, and then I'm going to be. It's going to be really interesting to see where this Kirk Cousins situation ends up because. You know, are you prepared to bench a $45 million quarterback for, to your point, Alex, a really talented runner in Kellen Mond and uh, just run the ball with Kellen and Dalvin Cook? You know, potentially that's the way you go. But, um, yeah, it's going to be one to watch. All right, guys, and to round out the show, uh, we've got our rapid-fire segment. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing Closing Time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and welcome back to Rapid Fire. And this week we're going to be talking about comeback players. So... You know, one of the things with the NFL is it's a very physical game, uh, and unfortunately, we see uh, you know for far too many serious injuries. So, uh, Alex, I'm going to start with you. The question I have for you tonight is: Which player coming coming back from a from a serious injury last season are you most interested in watching uh, this season? I just want to start by saying last year was kind of devastating as far as some of the injuries go. You had some big names kind of go down very early on in the season, but. At the end of the day, that's football. Um, still sad to see. However, I- I'm excited. The Giants struggle, right? But I think they have a saving grace in Saquon Barkley. And I was devastated to see him go out in week two um, with that ACL injury. Um, I think that was just kind of devastating for him. It was devastating for the Giants. You know, I think they've put a lot of money and backing into him as a Giants player. Um, So I'm excited to see what he can do for 2021. I think it's going to be a slow build for him, but I'd love to see him at the back of the season and and see how he's doing then. Yeah. And I think he finds himself in a bit of a contract situation as well. So um, Alex, would you sign him at the moment or would you want to see a little bit more production out of him? Uh, But knowing that if you did, potentially that value might creep up a little bit. Look, if I'm the Giants, I think at the end of the day, you have nothing to lose. Um, as far as players go. So I, I say sign him. You know, the first two seasons he did well. He had over 1,000 yards, 1,300 yards his first season, 1,000 his second season, so he dropped a little bit. Um, but I think if his if his knee's strong and he gives you the numbers this season that they're looking for, even at the back half of the season, even if it's at the back half, right, that's leading into the season after, I say sign him. Stacey, have you got a player there for us? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit keen to see how Pres- Dak Prescott bounces back from this ankle injury. Like, it was a pretty horrendous – like, when you're talking the, the scale of, of injuries, like, his was definitely up there. Like, not not Alex Smith-like, obviously, but pretty close. Um, yeah, his you know, foot was and, turned uh, the other way. That was, uh, that it, was nasty. <laughs> you, you love, I mean, you love to see it, but you don't love to see it. You really don't. Um, you know, you and, and I love motion on the replay. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, you know, I've I loved watching Prescott. You know, when he was like the third string hero quarterback, who came out and then led the Cowboys gallantly after Romo got injured, and uh, you know he's been productive in his career. But you know, this ankle break is massive, and and his mobility was such a big part of his game. Um, that it's going to be interesting to see how he goes, similar to how we said with Tua earlier. Um, 
But now also, you know, he's just had another MRI because he's got had a shoulder injury in camp. He hasn't seen any time in the preseason uh, yet. So what does that mean for him? I mean, I don't really know. It's the age-old Cowboys of the America's team, but you just can't be so, like, you just get so frustrated watching the Cowboys lose all the time. Yeah, it's it's um, it's uh, it's, yeah. it's going to be interesting. You know, I think a lot of the times with these recoveries, there's a, you know, these guys have got access to the best surgeons in in the entire world, but sometimes it comes down to luck. And to your point, Stacey, that is a, a that is a one hundred and twenty million dollar ankle because that's how much uh, his contract has been guaranteed for. So, um, you know, Jerry Jones, uh, the Dallas Cowboys, the entire franchise, the fan base, they're all going to be watching that ankle to see how it holds up because, um, yeah, all, all things right on, on the back of Dak, Dak Prescott. And he just extended with the Cowboys, right? Like, re- like recently, just like signed a brand new contract. So, yeah, that. I- I, if I was a Cowboy fans and, and he's just come off that ankle and his shoulders now, you know, not being happy, I'd be worried as a Cowboys fan. Especially in a salary cap uh, environment. It, it makes things very, very tricky. Uh, look, for me, uh, quite similar. I'm going uh, with a quarterback. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, young quarterback, Joe Burrows. Uh, look, I have to admit, I underestimated him a little bit coming out of college. I was probably the only one because he was the clear number one uh, draft pick coming out of LSU. Um, but for me, he just had one year of uh, production, and, and it was amazing. Uh, he did appear to be the number one quarterback. But, you know, as soon as he hit the field, there was just something a little bit different about him. Um, he had, uh, you know, very impressive arm. Um, you know, he, he was, uh, you know, quite... Uh, quite impressive uh, from the pocket. Um, But the biggest thing I loved about him was just his bravado and his confidence, you know, going to a franchise like the Bengals, this is exactly the type of player that they needed to, you know, come in and and, and just, you know, just change things up, you know. And clear the air from from Andy Dalton. Yeah. They just needed to clear that out of there. Hey, 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 hey. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, Careful uh, now, he's in a Bears jersey. We can't be too mean about Andy Dalton. Orange, same, same. But, uh, Whoa! Joe, Joe, Joe came in with a lot of swagger to change things up, but he had a devastating knee injury. So, um, you know, and we see this quite a lot where he didn't just do the ACL, he did the MCL. Um, he completely destroyed his knee. Now, um, in, in terms of his recovery, he's eight months in, and what we're hearing is, you know, it, 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 it's it's just – just taking a little bit of time. He's lacking a little bit of confidence. So there is a little bit of concern there. And to Alex, you know, one of the craziest things that I saw from the last draft is the fact that they overlooked Penae Sewell to protect Joe Burrow off such a devastating knee injury and instead went with his college receiver, Jamar Chase, who I'm sure is going to be fantastic, you know, once, once Joe recovers and gets there. But, you know, the fact that they overlooked, you know, a, a left tackle that could have protected him for the next 10 years and avoided any sort of situation like this to occur in the future was absolutely crazy. So, um, look, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Bengals do and how patient they're going to be. My final point with Joe is don't be afraid to sit him. This is your next 10 to 15 years of your entire franchise. If you get this wrong in the first few rounds just to win a couple of games, it is not worth it. So hopefully the Bengals are very, very cautious with Joe and give him some time off until he can sort of get that confidence because that was a serious injury. All right, guys. Well, look, that's all the time we have tonight. I uh, just wanted to thank my amazing panel for another uh, yeah, for another great show. They always bring the heat. Uh, and to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed the episode as well. Um, if you did, please uh, go out and, and share share the show uh, with your friends, uh, with your family. Find us on, on social media. We're available on all platforms. Uh, please like, comment, send us some feedback. We really, really appreciate that. And until next week, we'll see you then. We 
You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.